Welcome to another edition of Smashville Live Brew House South here in Cool Springs. Welcome to the show here on ESPN 1025 The Game, our third season of Smashville Live. I want to thank all you Predators fans for making it out the last two years. We, we've tripled in size, so we now have uh, almost 25 different shows this year for you guys to come out to, so make sure you find Check the, uh, the GameNashville.com website for all future dates and locations, so make sure you check that out. I want to thank our great sponsors here, Red Spirits and Wine, New Amsterdam Vodka, Spring Hill Heating and Cooling as well, alongside... Chris Mason, Brian Poyle, and General Manager David Poyle as well. Guys, how are we doing this fine evening? There's a hockey season that starts tomorrow. We're excited. We're ready to go. Yep, it's been a long off season as it always is when you don't get to your uh, final goal. But uh, training camp was was really great. <clears throat> Everybody came back in good shape, good attitude. I think uh, feeling very responsible in, in terms of. Uh, you know, what happened last year and what our potential is uh, this year. So uh, I feel really good about our, our team from, from the goal to defense to, I would say, uh, some real good improvement on our forwards. So when you guys are, you know, you look at your team, you're evaluating in the preseason, how much stock do you guys put in? I know, you know, obviously Milwaukee addressing some of the prospects, kind of restocking the cupboards. I think that looked awesome uh, this preseason, the rookie showcase. Um, you know, Daniel Carr comes along big offseason signing in terms of a you know a guy that's a proven goal scorer at the american hockey league looks like he's going to get a chance this year uh power play looked good dan lambert came in got the guys working hard on that scored some goals how much stock do you put into the successful preseason well for me uh i i think we we knew approximately what our lineup was going to be of course you're trying to uh, push for anybody to be better than somebody else that was on your team so you want to make changes but only make changes when you can get better so uh, to me what we found out a lot about was our depth I mean from <clears throat> on every position starting as you said in the rookie camp we traded for a goaltender uh, give up a seventh pick to Tampa Bay to get Connor Ingram and he looks like a real good young prospect a guy that I think has NHL ability on defense we uh, we saw two or three guys really I think uh, come to the you know, sort of come over a little bit in terms of having possibilities to play for us. Uh, Jared Tenorti, six foot six defenseman with a real physical element, I think has a chance to, if we want to use that type of player. Jeremy Davies, a defenseman that we got from New Jersey in the PK Subban uh, deal, really stood out to all of our guys. He looks like that modern type of defenseman that can play. You know, that uh, kind of like a Ryan Ellis, but you know, skate the puck up the ice, offense, really good vision. And forwards, a lot of guys. Rem Pitlick from the University of Minnesota looked good. Tolvin and scored some goals like we wanted to, was in better better shape. Anthony Richard got 24 goals in Milwaukee last year, kills penalties. It looked like a guy that could come up and at least play in the fourth line and kill penalties for us. Um, so there was a lot of good things that we saw in terms of where our, our, our depth was. Uh, Brian, take us through uh, the process of getting the roster to where it is today. Um, you know, the two-way deals versus the waiver process, the decisions you guys have to make. So maybe take the fans through what a, a normal preseason process looks like for you guys and how you end up settling on the guys you're going to go into battle with tomorrow night. Yeah, great question, Braden. Um, first of all, I guess I should start by mentioning that we bring all of our staff in for training camp, so all of our amateur scouts are there, all of our pro scouts are there. So we've anyone and everyone in hockey ops is part of our decision-making process and is there in, in for rookie camp and training camp. So then how do we get to our roster? How do we decide who's on our for this for this iteration, our 22-man roster? It's, it's a difficult process. Like we just mentioned, there was a lot of great players forward defense and goalie and so we start by deciding 
who we want to keep, and then you mentioned the one-way and the two-way contract. That's definitely an element that comes into play. So for the fans that don't know, some players are just on one-way contracts, just making NHL salary regardless of where they play. Some players are on two-way contracts, and they get one value at the NHL level and another value at the AHL level, and it's a substantial difference between AHL and NHL. So all the more reason why these guys are trying to make it to the NHL, not just to be in the NHL, but also for salary. So all those things come into play, the final piece is the salary cap. So you've got all those things intertwining as well as trying to, as my dad mentioned, trying to put the best best players on the ice. So in the case of goaltending, for example, we already had UC Saros and Pekka Rene already signed up. They're doing very well. We're happy with their progress. Connor Ingram's coming along. Grossnick's good, so those guys will go to Milwaukee. Our goalies will be in Nashville. So that's all good. And then I think the real challenge was our final set of defensemen and our extra defensemen and our final set of forwards. So that's where it we took the longest to go to, and if you guys have been watching our transactions here in the last couple of days, those are the players that were the final cuts. So Tenorti, Salamaki, Godro, Santini, those are the last few guys, and Daniel Carr ends up making our team. Hopefully gives us an additional shot of offense into our lineup, so we're excited about that, and we're, we're excited about our whole group. How Guys, for both of you, how, how tough are the conversations when you call a, a young man who's worked really hard, He's done everything you need him to do. It's maybe just not there yet, or he's just not ready, or like you said, there's a salary cap implication. There's a million reasons why you'd make a decision. How hard is that to have that conversation? Well, the uh, the younger guys, it's usually uh, easier. The older guys, of course, it's harder. Like uh, when you're sending down a Salamaki or Freddie Gaudreau that have been here for two or three years, that's difficult. And uh, again, it's uh, it's it's not like somebody's beating him out by a, a huge, huge margin. It's a cha- little bit of a change in philosophy. As Brian said, we favored uh, Daniel Carr, who we signed as a free agent. We favored him because he was the HL's MVP, and he got to be the MVP mostly because of his offensive production. So we're thinking when we can use Daniel Carr and insert him in the lineup, whether it's on the first line or the fourth line, that maybe he can bring us a little bit more offense. So that's how that decision went. But the conversations are, are, uh, are hard uh, I, I usually do that with a coach, and then uh, that goes not too bad. And then, unfortunately, Brian, Brian, <laughs> unfortunately, the Brian gets the call from the agent. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. that's that's the one that takes a long time. So yeah, it's it's a tough it's a tough situation. I think fans know we're we're dealing with people, right? Um, and you know, and some of these players have wives, and they have and they have young children. So I think when we're sending guys down, we also want to let them know that we care about them. And we care about them as people, and we want the best for them. We try to help them out and facilitate their transition down or up, whatever's going on. So it's it's never easy telling someone they're going down to the minors. And I can vouch for that. I've been told by David many times that I'm just getting <laughs> sent down. And he does care. But, uh, you know, when you're courting someone like Daniel Carr in the offseason, AHL MVP, obviously there's got to be more teams interested. How, do, how does that process work? Who's the one that, you know, brings that name to your attention? Is Scott Nickel that says, hey, we got to take a, an honest look at this kid? Yeah, good question. I think with uh, Daniel Carr or any free agents, it's, it's, again, that group effort. So all of our pro scouts are watching all the NHL teams and AHL teams all season long, and we identify players that we that are going to be in free agents upcoming season, and we put a short list together. And then when, as we get to the end of the season, we see what our, our team looks like, who's going to stay, who's going to go, then we narrow that list down further, and then we go after those players in free agency. So Scott Nichols is a good example. Our GM in Milwaukee, he'd be watching Daniel Carr quite a bit. Chicago played Milwaukee all the time. Chicago... Daniel Carr did excellent versus Milwaukee all season last year. So definitely he was part of it, but so were our pro scouts. They did an excellent job. Jeff Kelty as well. So it's a, it's a group effort. And then um, as far as the recruiting process and free agency, it's just like you would see in college football for some of our fans. Or maybe it's just you're doing everything. You're, you're calling the player. You're bringing in the player. You're talking to the agent. You're sending them video and information trying to show him why Nashville's a great fit. 
We are live here, of course, at Brewhouse South. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm choked up. It's I'm, this, <laughs> the season's here. I'm, I'm choked up. Uh, Smashville Live, ESPN 1025, the game. Chris Mason, Braden Gall, uh, uh, Assistant General Manager Brian Poyle, and GM David Poyle here joining us. Um, it, guys, uh, and I'm going to give a shout-out here to Dale on Twitter, who asked this question as we ask fans to submit those questions with, with hashtag Smashville Live on, on our uh, Twitter account there. And, and of course, we, we spent a lot of time talking about the roster and how you get to where you you get with a lot of the, the, the lower-tier players going to AHL and making all these complicated decisions. Let's talk about Matt Duchesne. Um, he, the, he asks, you know, what, what is the reason, and you've talked about this, David, about enhancing your forward ability to score this offseason was a priority for you guys. And Dale on Twitter basically says, how does the trade, air quotes here, of P.K. Subban for Matt Duchesne, essentially, how does that enhance the team's chances to win a Stanley Cup? Well, if you look at all of the statistics and analytics, however you want to judge our team over the last few years, we've always come out right at the top of goaltending, uh, defensive play, penalty killing. Um, and again, the, the only weak area that we have has been our, our offense. We need to score more. Obviously, we need to improve our, our, our power play. And uh, again, in essence, what we've done is we've switched out PK for Matt Duchesne, and uh, again, we wouldn't be able to have done that unless we had a young player like Dante Fabro. So, so far, so good. Our defense looks really good. It looks uh, like it's very capable. I think we've got Dante backed up really well with veterans like Dan Hamhus and Matt Irwin and Yannick Weber. And from the offensive standpoint, we've been trying so hard to to get two top lines. I mean, it's it's hard in the NHL to do that. And if we can actually say we have two number one lines. And if we can score like we, we need to or believe we can with the addition of Duchesne, I mean, we're going to be a tough team to beat. So, so far, so good. But we've got to s- see how it works in the regular season, both uh, the top two lines, because they've broken up the, our best three forwards. In other words, Forsberg, Johansson, and Arvison are playing together. They're no longer together. And it looks like Forsberg's going to play with Duchesne and Gramlin. So, you know, a little experimentation has to go go along. And then the second part of that, of course, is the is the power play. And, a, and a, a power play that is uh, average in the league will will be unbelievable for us this year. Yeah, so you guys, you talk about the power play. Dan Lambert comes in. He's a big part of it. Uh, what goes into the process when you guys, you hired him? Is there other people that were interviewed? Uh, who was involved in the interviews that you guys and Lavi? How did that work? Yeah, it's a process where we involve uh, Lavi and, and a little bit and the other other coaches. And again, it's, it's, it's the starting point is what can we do to be better next year? And then we finally got to that point where we wanted to hire another coach, a coach that had offensive tendencies. It seemed like uh, uh, in comparing our our bench strength to other other teams, uh, they were maybe one coach short. So it seemed to make a lot of sense. Um, as you know, the coaching is so important, and I think these days now it's, it's way more individual attention than ever before. So having Dan here and having him work with that group of forwards and specifically the offensive guys in the power play I, th- I think is time well spent and we're certainly going to pay off for us a lot and we interviewed a, uh, a lot of names we all you know Brian myself Jeff Kelty Peter we brought different names to the table we, we talked to a few different uh, people and uh, Dan was the guy that was our choice guys we'll take a quick break here from Brewhouse South as we have uh, Brian and David Poyle here with us let's can I hear it from from Brewhouse South please 
There you go. This is Smashville Live. We will be right back. By the way, I want to remind everybody, come out tonight. You can register to win two tickets to the October 8th game against San Jose. So make sure you come out and register. We've got a box floating around here somewhere that you can come register. And, and hey, later on this hour, we'll give away some tickets to a Preds game. And uh, when we come back, we'll get into the start of the season tomorrow uh, and what you guys are looking forward to evaluate the team as we get things kicked off here in 2019. We'll be right back. Chris Mason, Braden Gall. This is Smashville Live on ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome back to Smashville Live here at Brewhouse South in Cool Springs. Chris Mason, Braden Gall here on ESPN 1025 The Game alongside front office extraordinaires. Poilapalooza is what we're calling oh, tonight. That was a good one. I like that Poilapalooza. Uh, brought to you by Red Spirits and Wine, of course, our great sponsors. Spring Hill Heating and Cooling, New Amsterdam Vodka uh, as well. And, guys, just we're on the eve of the start of the season. Um, just how does it feel uh, you know, when you're this close to the start of another year? You've done all the work to get the team to where it is. I know it's a constant process. Every day you're evaluating everything. But um, do you allow yourself a minute to take a breath and say, hey, all right, we're ready to go? Like, how are you guys feeling right now? I'm really excited. I mean, for us um, on the management side of things, we don't have the quote-unquote offseason that maybe the players and the coaches get. So we've put in a lot of time in addition to the season and in the off season to get us to this point right now so we're excited to see all the fruits of our labor see all the guys and see what we could do like like my dad mentioned we've got different dynamics going on with the lines and, and defensive pairings they're going to change a little bit so a lot of things to look forward to seeing and see how it all meshes together so yep. oh sorry go ahead. No, i was going to say this sort of the same <clears throat> same thing i mean it, there's no two years that are the same i mean we've got approximately the, the same team back but i guarantee you it's it's different. I mean, I don't know what it is exactly, but somebody will be better and something will be really good and then probably something will be a little little off. So it's, you know, I've been pretty calm during preseason and just taking it all in and been pretty happy, but I'm sure I'm going to get the butterflies tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow night just like the players do. Well, you mentioned something in the first segment that really stuck out to me because I think, you know, I've been around the guys and the team a little bit and, and it, it kind of feels different. I feel like the last two, three years, the Nashville Predators are a team that could have won the Stanley Cup, among others. I mean, the league's so good. There's probably picked 10 teams that have a realistic chance at winning the Stanley Cup. But what's different about this year? It just seems the guys are a little bit lighter, a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Is it the dynamic of the team? Is it the fresh start? But I, I've noticed that same thing around training camp as well. Well, last year, you know, we had a good year. We got 100 points, and it was a hard 100 points. I mean, uh, it seemed like every every game was really really close, and it was close because the league is close, and it was close because offensively we couldn't put anybody away, and we didn't have a good good power play. So it was very stressful or what have you. We spent a lot of time at the end of the season talking to coaches, players, lots of meetings, and, and what have you. And I'll simplify this right down to us: we've got to enjoy the day, we've got to enjoy the the process. It's 82 games. It's it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It takes a long time, and we've got to. Enjoy it, and we've got to really realize that we do have good people and a good good team. And uh, our whole goal here is just to get to the playoffs. When we get to the playoffs, hopefully, we can take it up a notch. Uh, so you mentioned how long the, the season is, and I find it fascinating. The evaluation of hockey as a sport is very, like, it's just to me, it's very difficult. We. We, on a morning drive, by the way, our, our job is to overreact every morning. That's, that's what we do. You guys obviously can't live that way. So, so how do you guys evaluate things, players, power play, whatever? Is, is it a, a month-long evaluation? Is it a week? Is it five games? Is it 15 games? Like, How do you guys go about looking at a player or an issue on a team, good or bad, and say, all right, I've made a decision. I've learned. I've evaluated. 
now I feel comfortable with how I feel about something. How, how long does that take for any, you know, any given issue or player? Yeah, Braden's good. Another good question. I think um, just like everything in life, there's always unique circumstances to define everything. We, we, we evaluate things post-game. We evaluate things the next day after a game. We do things on a week segment. We do things on a 10-game segment, both with stats, analytics, scouting reports, meetings, all the above. So it just it, it, it kind of has it's a natural morphing to how everything goes to be able to say when we're going to make a final decision, a hard fast decision, that we're ready to move on from this player, ready to give this player another opportunity. Some of it takes place, with a, and Chris would know this, in practice. You know, the coaches will try something, put a guy in a line, try a different uh, power player penalty kill situation. So it's... I think our job is to call, always be evolving and trying different things, little tweaks to get better every day. So when, 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 and after we try all those things, there's certain t- points where we're then ready. Okay, this is working. We'll keep it going. Or when it's not, we try something new. And uh, again, every you know, managers have to be different than the coaches. The coaches are living day to day, and uh, they take the wins, you know, pretty high, and they take the losses real low. I mean, I don't want to say I don't do that, <laughs> but but we have to have more of a, a longer uh, game plan. I mean, we do so many things in management that are three to five year uh, plans. That's you know contractually, it's specific players, it's money, it's all of those those things. So try not to get too high or low because the coaches are you know themselves are getting are already doing that. So we have to have that longer longer look at things. But the contradiction to that is that you got to be ready to make a decision when a decision needs to be made, whether that's, you know, changing a player out for another player, calling a guy from Milwaukee or whatever, or, or taking a player off your team. I mean, you, you have to have that ability to, to be decisive when it's time to make the decision. Well, you, you just talked about contracts, so I would be remiss if I didn't ask um, about Roman Yossi. And just, I, I, you know, this is obviously a captain of the franchise. And, um, you know, w- when you look at that negotiation and what's going on, I know you can't get into details of that, but um, what is the status and, and what can you tell Preds fans right now that, that you're allowed to sort of speak to? <laughs> I like son, how he passes that one off to one, yeah. son, by the way. Um, I mean, it's probably the same stock guns you've gotten before. The good news is both parties want to get, get something done, um, and we hope to do it as soon as possible. Um, right now we're just still working through that process with Roman and his agent, but the, the answer is hopefully sooner rather than later. Awesome. I always have a good answer for all that now all the time I'm asked is that we've almost got the deal done. <laughs> it's, it's just we just haven't agreed on the years of the amount. Yeah. <laughs> just, That's it. Which just is about it. 98% yeah. of yeah, yeah. <laughs> So the other part of, uh, you know, let's say three to five-year plans, we've been through an expansion draft. We're coming up, you know, on another one. Is that something, obviously, you got a lot of different players, different team philosophies, ways to go about that. Is that something you guys have been working on since you knew Seattle was coming into the league? Yeah. Um, one one thing um, they always say, poils are planners. So, yeah. um, yes, we've, <laughs> we've been planning for the Seattle draft before Seattle even got an award of the team. No, I'm, I'm joking. No, but we, but we do. We do plan for it. You have to plan for it because we're going to lo- just like in, with Las Vegas, we're going to lose a good player. So our job is to make sure we lose um, – lose the best player but not the player we want to lose so that's what we're going to have to focus on here the next little bit so yes we are planning for it we also try to model out what the other teams may have as well but it's a it's still a little, a little far out so it's hard to tell exactly where everybody's going to fit but that'll be another piece for us yeah so whenever any tr- transactions that we make going forward that's always one of the questions that we ask ourselves how does this affect the seattle expansion is that a player that's eligible that would be examined you know so it's it, it goes into the, your thinking all the time uh, you know, talking about contract negotiations, and I'm not talking about any p- player in, in particular here at all. I'm just curious, 
the fans probably don't see the two of you, and like they obviously don't see how the day-to-day operations run during a contract negotiation, whether it was Ryan Ellis or acquiring a free agent like Matt Duchesne. Can you kind of give fans insight? Like, are you on the phone every day? Is it, are you sending letters to people? Are you, like, just kind of take the fans through the process of what it actually is like to be in the front office of an NHL franchise working on a, a contract. Again, I'm, not, I'm honestly not trying to <laughs> talk about Yossi in particular, but just what, what does that look like for you guys on a day-to-day basis? Um, yep, yeah, it's a big part of our jobs, um, getting players signed to the right contracts. Um, and and the, one, you know, the goal, obviously, of any contract is find a mutually beneficial, mutually agreeable contract. And that's hard to do because a lot of times our interests and their interests aren't always aligned. So what that looks like, um, again, I would say that you're dealing with people, so agents and players, and everybody does things different. Everybody has a different style. But just to generalize the, the process, you know, most players are represented by agents, so you're, you're dealing with the agents, so the player would allow the agent to work and talk to us about things. Some want to meet in person. Some want to talk over the phone. Some want to do it over email. Everybody's got a different style and strategy. I, I definitely like to do it in person because I think, again, it's a people business. I want to look the guy in the eye that I'm talking to. Um, and sometimes they're really short and quick and take a, a, some take a long time to do. So they're all, they're all different, and they all kind of uh, web and weave along the way. Um, but that's the goal is to get a good deal that, that everybody's happy with at the end of the day that fits our structure and also fits you know, the value of the player so everybody wins. And the LS negotiation was a long, long negotiation. It was uh, Ryan always wanted to, to, to be with us, but he also wanted to know a little bit more about our organization and our, our thinking and his agent uh, also, so it wasn't always just about the, the the term and the money. It was more about philosophy or whatever and how we fit in, and you know different different things like that. So, uh, you know, some some negotiations are actually a lot of I don't want to say fun, but they're 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 really solid and good down there, and others are are, are more difficult. Um, I've been on the you know the negotiating side with, with you guys, and uh, one thing I can tell you as a player and a former player for this organization is that. We, we really appreciate the you know the, the uh, approach you guys take with the players. Um, have you always been like that? I've been part of other organizations, and a lot of times it, it's just blunt. It's you know cut or dry. The communication isn't great. The uh, emotional relationship isn't really thought of. The families and all those types of things you talked about um, when you send players. Is this something that you've always done when you're at Washington and Nashville and your whole career? I hope so. I mean, I, again, you, you got to walk the talk, so to speak. I mean, we. You know, we, we're trying to promote a family atmosphere for our team on and off the ice. I, I love, I love it when people like yourself, you know, re- retire here in, in Nashville and how you're working for us in another capacity, and that's that's fantastic. We just want to grow the franchise, but it's a people business, and uh, uh, you know, I, I know sometimes it's hard, and sometimes we have to trade a player and do different different things. But I've I found now that I'm older and. Uh, I've had a lot of players that retired. Some of the things that happened that I thought were really negative in my days back, say, in Washington, players have actually come back and say, thank you for the, how you treated me and my family, my wife, or, or, or what have you. And I think somewhere it's the right, right way to, to do it. We don't have to agree all the time, and, uh, but uh, it's a people business, so that's what we try to do. And I think you know, Brian's uh, uh, had a good upbringing in our family, mostly because of my wife. <laughs> so... Uh, it's Shout been, out to Elizabeth, by the so way. It's been, <laughs> She's awesome. So, uh, you know, he, Brian's got great, great values and uh, is a great people person. So he, he totally, totally gets it. And uh, I think that's really helps with because he's doing almost all the contract negotiations now. So that's the way it should be. 
Right, and Chris, you know, Chris is a perfect story of it. I mean, hockey is a small, it's a small fraternity in a lot of ways, and what goes around comes around too. So I think it's important. It, it should be nice to people, anyways, and try to look after them and their families too. But a lot of players have come back through us, whether it's Chris, Scott Hartnell, Dan Hammy, who's currently on the team. So um, we treat them right, and they want to come back, which is awesome. What a novel concept, treating people well yeah. and with respect. <laughs> 20, 2019, I, I, there's hope it's now. Different approaches, though. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. So let's get to know these guys a little bit more off, uh, I guess I'd say off the ice, out of the front office. I don't know what the proper term is, but let's get to know these guys a little bit more when we come back. Chris Mason, Braden Gall, Poilapalooza here at Smashville Live, Brewhouse South, Red Spirits and Wine, New Amsterdam Vodka, Spring Hill Heating and Cooling. By the way, register for tickets. You can win later this hour. We'll be right back, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Smashville Live here, live at Brew House South in Cool Springs. Red Spirits and Wine, Spring Hill Heating and Cooling, New Amsterdam Vodka, our wonderful sponsors that make this show possible. Again, check the GameNational.com website for all future dates and locations because, again, we're all over the place. Tripled the revenue this year. Revenue. Tripled the uh, inventory, I should say. Hopefully tripling the revenue. There you go. Um, Smashville Live guests for next week, by the way, right here again at Brew House South in Cool Springs. Kyle Turris and Dan Hamus going to join us. Next week, you can also register to win tickets to the October 8th game against San Jose. Um, you, we will draw those. In fact, I might put one of you guys uh, to work here uh, and draw a winner out here in just a few minutes. So come up and register uh, for that as well. Chris Mason, Braden Gall, and David Poyle and Brian Poyle joining us here from the front office GM and assistant GM. David Poyle, this is like your 87th year as general manager, which is impressive as a 69-year-old. Um, <laughs> have you thought about what it would be like? To actually hold the Stanley Cup, have you? Like, do you allow yourself to think about that? Honestly, yes, Man. but but I haven't. It's so coming. we got to keep keep keep, keep got to keep working at it. Keep working at it. This is going to be be the year. Yeah, I mean, I think that's you know we're all in it for 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 that that reason. It's it's been uh, it's been difficult to get to that point. I mean, lots of good teams and lots of wins and all that stuff, but just haven't quite got there. So yeah, absolutely, think about it all the time. That'll be the real Poil Palooza. Oh yeah, the <laughs> ultimate Poil Palooza, <laughs> which apparently has already actually happened. Am I am I am I, am I giving this? Am I allowed to give sure. away industry secret? Apparently, there actually was a Poil Palooza in real life, and there was uh, merch. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we, merch, yeah, we yeah. got together with all of our Canadian relatives up in uh, Lake Muskoka this summer. It was great. Um, got all the kids and grandkids and everybody together it was a lot of fun on the lake we had an awesome time it's a lot of players up there too it's a yeah, huge nhl hockey lake so it's a beautiful spot we had uh, we celebrated poil palooza it was awesome <laughs> that's when you see a different side of david when he's he's coming and holding the grandkids walking through the rink he's just got the biggest smile on his face proud uh, papa are you a papa bumpa Bumpa. Bumpa. I like that right. one. I like Bumpa. that. Exactly. And, and and I've heard you say this before, David, that, you know, that's sort of the, the thing that you do when you get away from hockey is sort of spending time with family and, and how important that is to you. And um, it goes all the way back to, I assume, to the better half who's sitting just over there, uh, your wife, Elizabeth. And, and tell everybody how you met and how old you were when you met. Tell everybody that story. I have to do this now. <laughs> <laughs> we were next door neighbors. For total accuracy, there was one house in between. <laughs> and uh, I was 14, and Elizabeth was 13. How about that? That what, is awesome. So it was, like, what was the move? Like, was, just, it, was it love at first sight, or was it 
Oh, I had yeah. to, I had like, a, hey, you want to play I, hockey? Like, I, had, I had a move. I had, yeah. I, had, oh. I had a Honda 50. Oh, there you go. So you're the yeah. the big dog on, yeah. the, on, the <laughs> on, a, yeah. on a hilly street. <laughs> <laughs> so I could give her a ride to school on my Honda 50. And uh, then we were actually in the same class in French class. I was, uh, it was alphabetical order, and I actually sat behind her. So it uh, worked out good for me. That's still, awesome. Still working out good for yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it's obviously a family business, and, and you know, your father, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people know sort of your father, David, uh, his, his hockey background, which is obviously just as intense as everybody else. So how, how, what does it mean to, have, to work alongside your son and um, to sort of follow along with what your father did? Just like the whole family business now being ingrained in who you guys are, like just – what does it mean to you guys? Well, it's, uh, it's obviously very, very special. Again, uh, you know, with my dad was a great hockey guy, and uh, he was a player. He's, uh, he's in the Hockey Hall of Fame, so uh, that record speaks for itself. And you know, it was always, uh, it was always a little bit different. I mean, I, I know when I went on hockey trips with my dad, it was always uh, this is Bud's boy. You know, it was always Bud's boy. And then somewhere along the way, it turned, and then I was became David's. It was it's, here's David's dad. Yeah. And so it was, that was kind of good. So I know with uh, Brian, I mean, we talked long and hard about this before it, it happened. I mean, Brian got out of school, and uh, he worked for actually Doug Armstrong, who was the general manager of the St. Louis Blues. He worked in in uh, in Dallas for for a few years, and before he did some other things, and eventually came to us. And I, you know, I think it was hard at the beginning. I, you know, we haven't really necessarily talked about this because you know it's my son and i wanted to be make sure that he was uh you know living up to the standards that i would want not that i had any doubt in my son but still i think it was probably a little hard at the beginning but as it's gone along uh i think it's gotten better every year i hope he says the same thing when he gets a chance to, <laughs> chance to talk but it's it's like he's doing a lot more as is you know jeff kelty we had a change in our hierarchy when paul fenton left and I find it's really good. It's really freed up a lot of my time, or at least my thoughts, and where I d- devote things because I've really got good people, meaning you know Brian and Jeff working, you know, for me. And so I think we're we're both growing, and I think I'm hopefully a little bit more hands off. I mean, I need to know what's going on all the time, but I I think and hope I'm giving Brian the ability to to, to be successful. Yeah, no, it's been it's been really good. Um, first of all, on the same theme of good, really good people, my dad's a really good person. First of all, so he treats everybody in the office exceptional um and you know when you when you work with your dad you learn a lot more about your dad than you ever did before i I spend i spend way more time with my dad now than i ever did growing up because he was always at hockey so he wasn't he wasn't around as much when i was growing up so it's been that's been really great but um learned a ton i mean if you could hand select a gm to work for it would be my dad not just because he's my dad but he's had he's the longest tenured gm he's he's been there and done that through everything what's really great for me is because I am a little bit younger than him, something will come our way, Braden. You were bringing up different stories and examples of how you evaluate this or what about this or when a trade happens. And, you know, maybe because I'm a little bit younger, um, I may get extra excited or extra anxious about something. And it's the first time maybe I've heard of it or that's come my way where this is the 30th time it's happened to him. So it's really nice having that that sage advice and the, the ability to see things in different ways and just bounce ideas. And I think the game is getting younger. The players are getting younger. Not that I'm as young as our players, but maybe now it's been a nice balance too where I can share some ideas. I've got a three-year-old son, so I'm getting some experience on the young side again just so that we balance each other out. So, no, it's been really good, and I think really important to uh, mention here that we also have a lot of other staff inside of our hockey ops department that are all part of the process and are all part of our team um, and the management team. And without all those guys... Um, helping in all these different departments, we we couldn't do our jobs nearly as well. 
You need to stay current, and I think with you know younger people, as, as Brian is saying, and Brian specifically, it's a, it is a different different generation, and you know you got to stay fresh. I mean, I've I've been in this a, a long time, so I I got to look myself in the mirror, and you know you look at different guys and how they come and say have they lost touch or, or what have you. So I really try to stay in in tune with the with the players because I'm the only person that's getting any older. Because yeah, yeah. the players are the same age every every yeah, every true. year, yeah. and you've got to. It's not reinvent yourself, but you got to stay stay current. I mean, uh, there's so many things like uh, I didn't go to school with, you know, computers and you know all these uh, people are so social tech, media and all, yeah, this all stuff. these tech tech savvy and different things. The way we we, we do things, produce things, the information that we trade <clears throat> amongst each, each other. There's so many things, and again, I mean, this is why you know Brian went to. To college and not got, still had the hockey background, so it's been it's been fabulous to. I mean, he's saying the right things to them as dad to say he's learned a lot. But I'm telling you, I've learned a ton from Ryan every day because he has a different outlook on it, and it's and it's and it's more it's a different generation. And I try to try to understand that the best I can and make sure that I'm being as fresh as I can. Are, are you guys cool. pretty good about leaving it at the office? It's like you ever been at Thanksgiving dinner and mom, you know. Mom's over there going, guys, all right, seriously, stop yeah. talking about Colvin's development, okay? Yeah, like, no more hockey. This is turkey <laughs> and football. Like, like, you, like there's a lot of holidays, right, during the right. hockey season. Do you guys, are you guys pretty good about that, or have you ever had moments where you know, maybe, maybe mom had to say, all right, guys, settle down? <laughs> I think Chris said it best earlier. The grandkids have helped that a lot, I think. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think there is any on or off uh, switch. I think we talk about hockey all, all the time in, in, in amongst a whole bunch of other things, but um, there's always something going on, so I don't think it's ever an off switch. But I do think having grandkids running around definitely helps that process for sure. And desserts, desserts also help out a lot. <laughs> exactly. So I always wonder this too about when was the point in your life where? Because I know you went to Northeastern, <laughs> captain of the team. You're you're a sniper back then. Put a lot of I think one year professional. Yeah, he's a big time goal scorer. I looked up yours. One game at Boston yeah. College. So you grew playing up. Right. Or sorry, you played growing up. Right. So when. When did you know or when did you decide, hey, this is the path I'm going down? Well, for me, um, I, I went to the Vancouver Connects first uh, training camp in the, in the NHL. And then they sent me to Seattle Totems, which was their minor league team. And then they sent me to the third tier. Uh, in uh, Fort Fort Wayne, and it was like oh, yeah. I getting worse and worse. And I I I loved hockey, but I I realized then I wasn't going to be able to play. I was for whatever reason. I mean, I played it all my life, but I was I was good with it because I I did as good as I could do, and I was ready to move on to the next step. So I don't know if that happens to everybody. I mean, it must have been hard for you to retire. Or yeah, I'm, I'm sure sure of that. But I I I really. Maybe I was I, I was a manager in training. I don't I sort of sort of felt I'm, I I was maybe all all along. Yeah, and for myself, I mean, I think uh, a, a lot of my uh, upbringing was in Washington D.C. with my dad was with the Capitals, and back then they did not even have uh, high school hockey. So my exposure to high level hockey wasn't the same as maybe some other kids, certainly guys on our team. So I think the Apex did uh, maybe uh, the men's league in Nashville was my my best. NHL uh, chances there. So, no, it, it's been great. I think um, for me, my parents, but my mom, my dad, both my sister and I always told us that education was always first. So I played a lot of sports. I still love sports. I still love playing hockey, but uh, no one's ever considered offering to pay me to play hockey. So I knew I was going to have to find another another path. 
<laughs> uh, guys, uh, David Poyle, Brian Poyle here on Smash for Life. Chris Mason, Braden Gall. We'll take a we'll take our final break. We'll come back and we'll look ahead at the start of the season uh, and maybe we'll keep, we, we, what we can expect from this squad moving forward here in 2019. Uh, Braden Gall and Chris Mason here. Special thanks to Red Spirits and Wine, Spring Hill Heating and Cooling, New Amsterdam Vodka. This is Smash for Live at Brewhouse South on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to Smashville Live here at Brewhouse South in Cool Springs on ESPN 1025 The Game. Poyla Palooza, I guess part two. Uh, Poyla Palooza part two. Uh, Chris Mason, Braden Gall here, our wonderful sponsors, Red Spirits and Wine, New Amsterdam Vodka, Spring Hill Heating and Cooling. Uh, again, we will be back here next week, October 9th. Again, check thegamenational.com for all future dates and uh, locations. We'll be back at Brewhouse South. Uh, Hammer and Kyle Turris going to join us next week. Uh, uh, myself and, and Hal Gill, so gonna have a lot of fun. Uh, if I, if you don't mind, can I put you to work, guys? Sure. And, and have you uh, maybe pick out a winner, and you can say, "Hey, I gave some tickets to a fan uh, to uh, for for the game on October eighth. So we'll draw that here momentarily. Had a bunch of people come by and register. Before we do that, I want to ask you guys uh, real quickly. Um, oh no, here's the box. Okay, this is this is an on the fly change here. Uh, all right, so David, if you don't mind. Reach in. Let's pull out a winner, and we'll announce uh, who's going to the game against San Jose on October 8th. This is Ryan Frank has won two tickets. You do not have to be here, but Ryan Frank will get two tickets. Uh, reach out to the to folks there at 102.5. So uh, way to go, Ryan. Two tickets to Frankie. San Jose game. That's awesome, man. Uh, all right. So you guys have been in hockey a long time. You have, you have obviously philosophies that you operate with and how you build a winner and You've won a boatload of games, more than anyone else in the history of the sport, David. And um, is, in fact, being in last place in January, firing your coach, and using a rookie goaltender, the new motto to winning a Stanley Cup? Or do you think that's just a one-off thing? Please let that be a one-off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's an ma- amazing story. I mean, I guess you never say never, though. It's just You just don't know in this, this sport. There's so many comebacks uh, in all, all all sports but that one is uh, that's almost unheard of yeah that was like lightning in a bottle i think incredible story yeah because i mean a lot of the fans they, they look at the team and they use the word window and i'm sort of after st louis last year i just say you know what there's no such thing as a window you just got to play hard every night and and, ho- and hope that the roster's where it's supposed to be the coaches do their jobs and the players execute i, I just think after looking at last season as such a bizarre anomaly that you know, the Capitals are supposed to be done, right? And then all of a sudden, they're not the best team in the league, and then they win the Cup. So it's you just never know, and it speaks to how insanely difficult playoff hockey is to predict. Well, I spoke with uh, Doug Armstrong, you know, after this, after they won, and I've talked to him a few few times, and uh, you know, and just just shooting the breeze. And I, I said, well, what do you what do you think? What do you think happened, or what have you? And he said, well, I'm not really sure, but he says what. What, what he learned from one of his mentors was that it's so difficult to win because there's so many things that go into it, you know, a little bit of luck for sure, you know, injuries, guys peaking at the right time, a bad break or any number of things. But if you can just get your team year after year as many times as you can to get into the playoffs to give yourself a shot, one of those times it's going to work out for you. And really I've, I've sort of had that without saying that, but it's just what I said to you earlier. I mean, we're not trying to say, I mean, of course we're going to try to get in first place, but we're trying to make the playoffs. And if we make the playoffs, I think we have a chance to, we are, we do have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. And that's really what our only goal is this year. 
Have you found too? Like I, I don't know what what's changed about this, but it seems like the last few years home ice isn't what it meant to be. So obviously you want to win the division, you want all those things, the president trophy and all this stuff. But it almost seems like for whatever, maybe the pressure is so great. Tampa Bay, prime example, that was uh, shocked the world. But a lot of these teams that come in home ice, it just isn't. You know, every building's hard to play in, but for whatever reason, it seems there's more pressure on the home team now. Yeah, no, you're right. I think this year we got to find a way here in Nashville to make Smashville hard to play against, and our team's got to do it. But, Chris, you're 100% right that um, home ice at last, like last two playoffs has not meant what it used to mean, and that's very interesting, I think, to Braden's point earlier. I mean, just with the cap where it is and teams are so competitive, I mean, I think that's why hockey's one of the best sports in the world to watch. Obviously, I'm biased, but, I mean, I mean, how many fan bases believe they have a chance to win the Stanley Cup this year? I would say the majority of them do, and they, and they actually do, and St. Louis is a great example of that. So you're right, it's not what it used to be, but I think that's still our goal because we, we believe deep down that, that playing in front of you guys, our, our fans sure matter. Yeah, I'd, li- I'd like to make it <clears throat> more more dominant for for sure. I mean, if if you told me that you're going to have a 500 season, then I want all the 41 <laughs> wins <laughs> at, at home. But it's not like last year we started off the year we won eight straight on the road. Yeah, I mean that never happens. That's that's so hard to f- do. Phenomenal to do, and then then we struggled a little bit at home where we were we have great confidence. It's not like we lack confidence, but the the preparation and the closeness of the league, it's just. It's just pretty even everywhere now. When you look around the division, uh, you, like, listen, Colorado's young. They're getting better. Uh, Dallas, obviously, is upgraded in the offseason and, and um, obviously a very physical team last year in the postseason. You know, Chicago's not. For some, somehow, some way, Chicago's still holding on. <laughs> they're, uh, they're figuring out ways to manage the cap. But what, what have you seen from the evolution of the Central Division over the years, just the last four or five, in terms of, growth, depth, talent, style of play. How has that division changed? The best division in the National Hockey League, fortunately or unfortunately. And if you want to break the schedule into a mini schedule, it's how you're going to do in your division this year that it's going to determine whether we make the playoffs or not. And that that goes the same for every team in our division. If we do not, if we're not successful in our division, there's not a chance that we'll make the playoffs. It's it's going to come down to that. So it's just, uh, I, I know everybody has to do predictions but i i don't want to make any predictions on our on our uh, our our division i think everybody's good yeah I, I think everybody has a chance i mean colorado's up and coming as you said dallas beat us in the playoffs last year st louis has won the, the stanley cup chicago is getting getting better they're getting some younger players into the lineup so it's tough good, good, <laughs> it's good. like murderers row in the central division Jeez, i'm getting nervous now. <laughs> <laughs> So I got to ask you too. This is like this is a huge thing, and I just want to know how excited you guys are for the the Bridgestone Winter Classic this year in Dallas. This is like you know we had the All Star Game, the, you know, obviously the Stanley Cup run, and now you guys are going to Dallas for the first ever Winter Classic for the club. That's pretty huge. Yeah, no, it's I think it's great for our franchise. We're we're so excited. I mean, just to put us on that national stage, you know, on on the first of the year that's going to be fantastic for myself i'm going to take out a small loan because i, I used to live in dallas and <laughs> oh, no. my, in, my my in-laws live in dallas so <laughs> oh, um, it'll, it'll be a great family time too um for my my side so no we're we're really looking forward to it i think the cotton bowl will be a really neat venue um just all the history that's there i think it's going to be really exciting and then obviously um, from nbc they couldn't have wrote a better script by the, the two teams just having played in the playoffs last year i think our games versus Dallas will be more intense than ever before leading up to the Winter Classic, so I think the fans are in for a real treat. 
And, and the fans have been exceptional, too, purchasing tickets at an alarming clip. So the Preds fans once again doing their part in this. I went to a Texas-Oklahoma game when I was like 12 years old in that building, and it's one of the coolest places uh, to watch a big-time sporting event like that. So I think there's a, a lot. You can tell the, the fans are, are ready to get there and, and celebrate New Year's Eve in, in Dallas for sure. It's going to be a blast. And like, like you just said, I, I think, 25,000 of the tickets that are sold have been sold to Nashvillians. So that's going to be awesome representation for sure. It's going to be it's going to be really neat. And I know too with the gold and I'm sure you guys travel all the time. You just it just stands out. And we're way up there in the booth and you look down and you see all the gold jerseys, a lot of them, you know, together at warm up, but it's just uh, we have such a good representation that travels with the team now, I'm sure. That must uh, say volumes about how far this organization has come. No, you're right. You see it right from warm-ups. You know, just the, all the fans that come down when they're traveling, they, they're in the warm-ups and on our side right away. And I think our fans are traveling better all the time, um, which is great because Nashville is such a fun city for visiting teams to play in. So it's good that we're traveling so well, too. Guys, I want to remind everybody tomorrow, stop by Pete and Terry's at Bridgestone Arena as 1025 The Game will be broadcasting all day. That's right, Morning Drive. We'll start there at 6 a.m. with your chance to win Preds tickets to tomorrow night's home opener against the Minnesota Wild. I would say I can't believe that the season is already here, uh, but days go by at the exact same rate every time, so like, it's very believable. Uh, doors open at 7 a.m. for the public. Free coffee and donuts available. See, Mace, that's all you need, dude. There we go. Free donuts I'll and be there. coffee. Also, Smash for Live guests next week right here at Brewhouse South, of course, uh, will be Dan Hamus and Kyle Turris, so make sure you check that out next week as well. Uh, fellas, any, any final feelings before the season gets started at all? No, I, we appreciate you guys having us on. I think, Brian, it's the first time we've ever done something like this together, so uh, proud, proud that we're doing it with you, my son, and uh, let's win something together. Yeah. No, we're, we're really excited. I think our fans are going to be really excited for the season, and I think we're going to see some guys have breakout years. I think we've got some players that have a chance to beat some Nashville Predators regular season records by chance. I think I think we have the chance to see some offensive numbers we've never had before. I'm really excited to see your brethren and Pekka Rene, see what he can do. He's the ageless yeah. wonder. So I, mean, I think there's just so many things for our fans to be excited about this year. I think Matt Duchesne for our fans to see. He's wanted to be in Nashville for a long time. So really excited for the upcoming season. Yeah, after the, the, the two-year-long courtship, it's here at tomorrow <laughs> night. He's on the ice. So yes. It's going to be a ton of fun, of course. Uh, you know, pregame, ESPN 102.5 The Game, and puck drops at 7, so check it out. Uh, C-Mace, obviously, thanks for coming out. David and Brian Poyle, uh, thank you guys so much for giving us a few minutes of your time. We, we do appreciate it. Fun to talk to you guys, and wish you guys the best of luck moving forward this year as uh, as we get things kicked off tomorrow. So Thanks, Braden. We look forward to hearing what you over we overreact <laughs> yes. to tomorrow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't go over three on the power play tomorrow night because yeah. then Friday morning yeah. we're going to have to talk. No, yeah. it's, no it, it's, it's going to be a ton of fun. We're ready to go. Special thanks, of course, to Red Spirits and Wine, Spring Hill Heating and Cooling, New Amsterdam Vodka as well, our great sponsors here for Smashville Live as we kick off our third season of this event. We could not do it without you great Predators fans, so we do really appreciate it. That's it, boys. My name's Braden Gall. His name's Chris Mason for the Poils here at Smashville Live at Brewhouse South. Everybody have a great evening. Tune in tomorrow, 6 a.m., morning drive. This is ESPN 1025 The Game.